0: Are you ready for more miracles and magic in your life? Rainbows in Real Life is dedicated to bringing positivity to the forefront, celebrating the power and promise of the human spirit, and supporting each other in challenging times. Together we are finding ways to make the future bigger and brighter for all of us. We will be sharing stories of perseverance, possibility, and promise, and engaging with experts that are making a real difference in the world. Join us live on Facebook on Thursday evenings to engage in the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Hello, and welcome to Rainbows in Real Life podcast. This is a show for anyone who has ever wondered how to celebrate life, even in the face of challenges. My name is Pamela Aubrey, and I'm joined by my co-host, Christopher Rausch. Welcome, Christopher.
1: What's up, ladies? Good to see you. Great to see you this fine, beautiful day. How are you two?
0: Great to be here and great to be with you. Thank you. And we're also here with the amazing Lynn Serrano as our special guest. Welcome to the show, Lynn.
1: Welcome.
2: Thank you guys. I'm so honored and I was a virgin till now. So this is my first interview for my yeah. guest, so well, if only I, I always remember
0: you too. <laughs> At least I took a shower before we got on.
1: It reminds well, me of Rocky I'm, Horror Picture Show. Did you guys ever <laughs> see Rocky Horror Picture Show?
2: Yes, where's the time? <laughs> <laughs> gotta be to careful
1: about us though. <laughs>
0: Uh, Well, this is why I've been so excited for the show, because I knew it would be a lot of fun. So I'm so happy that you're here and your story is so amazing. And I'm super excited to be able to talk to you about it and for you to be able to share your messages out with everyone. So just tell us a little bit about you and, you know, where you grew up and, and, you know, just what your life was like.
2: Oh, okay. So I'll give it to you in the nutshell, and I say long story short, ride. And there's a, a reason for that. And you'll see as I I tell you this stuff. I was actually born in Long Island, and I my parents are from Puerto Rico, so first five years of my life, I spoke Spanish. And from Long Island, we moved to Syracuse, New York, where the accent was different. So I sounded like Rosie Perez, and then I moved up there and realized everything I talked about, everybody was like, was into my accent instead of what I had to say. So (laughs) it does come out when I say different things, you know? So if I pause, it's because I don't want to say pause, you know, things (laughs) like that. And so um, we, uh, we, we were the Brady Bunch Puerto Rican family, six of us that I grew up with. And then um, when we moved to Syracuse, um, life really changed. My parents went through a divorce, and just I, I was in different schools every year. Um, mm-hmm. uh, part of my fifth grade was in, in Syracuse, and then sixth grade was a different school, eighth grade, ninth grade, you know, all the way up to ninth grade. So I, I was in a different school every year and things like that. And um, but you know, you, you make friends fast and things like that. But um, Going back a little beyond that, it's a back and forth. It's almost like this is us kind of story. But um, growing up in Long Island, I was um, sexually abused by my um, uncle that had Down syndrome. And then after that, my brother's best friend. So I had a lot of issues. I was born, my name was Eileen when growing up, but that had bad stigma. So when we moved to Syracuse, uh, sixth grade, um, that was difficult. I was... um, the abuse kind of started over there and I was protecting my brother and sister. So Mm -hmm. it just, I changed my name to Lynn. So after sixth grade, I went to a different school. I felt that changed my name, you know, change what I was going through in life and uh, you know, everywhere I went, there were, there was just challenges and taking care of my brothers and sisters and, you know, things like that. So moving forward, I. Graduate a year early out of school because and so I just I I, well going backwards again (laughs) at sixth grade I had a Canadian teacher when I was born (laughs) no right no I had a Canadian teacher who picked on me from being Puerto Rican and being uh from Long Island and and he would just you know humiliate me and things like that so I just you know I felt like coming to a new school and stuff you know all my friends were just seeing me in this light. So I denied being Puerto Rican after that, like the sixth grade friends knew. But I never would talk Spanish or hang around anybody's Spanish just to get along, you know, just trying to just get along. So, you know, so I decided had really to hide who you were from a very early age or you felt like you did. Yeah, you know, and that's going back even from seventh grade or uh, fifth. Um, when I was seven years old, my grandmother passed away and I would see her in my dreams and she stayed with me and things like that. So my parents thought I was a little, you know, off off the cuff because I wouldn't let her go. And uh, then in, I think it was ninth grade, I had a friend that passed away. And, um, you know, I started seeing a pattern when people passed away that I thought what I thought was pe- people being hypocritical about I saw how they got along with these people while they were alive. And then I see they were. now I know it was regret. But back then I was like, what a hypocrite. You didn't like them. You treated them mean, you know, I mean, hindsight's everything. Right. So I just realized, hey, you know, people just don't treat people right when they're here. And that mm-hmm. always really bothered me. And so I've gone through so much in my life. And I know you're going to ask questions. So I'll, I'll stop there for now. But all I'm saying is is that um, I've had a lot of near-death experiences. When I was uh, um, 11 years old, I think it was fifth grade, before we left Long Island, I had a situation where my brother wanted to go with my parents. And um, in a station wagon, you know, the square uh, station wagon. You're too young, Pam. But- oh, yeah, no,
0: we had a station <laughs> wagon. And,
2: and he we, we had to fight
0: world. over the back back. trust me, I remember. But,
2: there you go so he uh wanted my brother wanted to sit in the back of that station wagon and um i was like he can't he can't go and so what happened was i insisted my mother take me and not my brother and so i ended up going and we were in front of my godmother's house and some kind came around the corner and smashed the station wagon all the way back to where i was And so what so after the hospital and I had a pinched nerve and this and a broken foot and messed up shoulder, I get home and I see the car in the driveway. They towed it to our house and I went catatonic for two weeks. I couldn't talk because I realized that I already knew something would happen to my brother that he would have been he would have passed away, which he passed away five years ago or four years ago. But I was in shock because I was like, I didn't understand um, did I, did I wish that or could have, you know, did I, I didn't understand what that meant, why or how I knew that. And so that haunted me for a long time, you know, and haunted him because he really, he heard the, uh, the ambulance down the street, he came and he was in shock too, because he's like, I was hating you for you going and not me going, you know? And so that was different. And then when I was in seventh grade, I don't know why you guys are making me tell you this, but there's, I guess there's a purpose. Well, well, yeah, we're, 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 just,
1: we're just trying, we're just trying to get the the gist of the story of what, what you're about so we can dive into that and figure out how you accomplish what you've accomplished in your life.
2: Yeah. And this is just, what's coming about. And um, so in seventh grade, I was in school and here I, here I am um, getting ready to try out for volleyball. And this girl goes, are you going to try out for volleyball? And I'm like, I uh, no, I can't. I'm like my, I gotta go home because of my sister. And right after I said that, I'm like, why did I just lie? Why did I just say that? I turn around and go down the stairs and there's my mom at the office coming to get me early. She takes me to her office and when her friend says, come here, I gotta talk to you, I go, no. I don't wanna, I don't know. And I knew it had something to do with my sister. But again, at 12 years old or about 12, 13, Seventh, I don't know what that age is. About there, twelve or thirteen. He tells me my sister that morning got hit by a van that didn't want to stop for the bus. She got thrown a hundred feet, and she was she she made the front page of the local news, and I was doing newspapers, so they had to tell me before that. But again, I I was like so messed up thinking. Did I, because I lied, you know, because you're younger, right? So you can't understand this. Right. Did I lie? Did I lie? And this happened to her? I didn't understand Mm. that either, you know? And then there's this. They had a lot of kind
0: of traumatic, I mean, experiences really early on from early
2: childhood until adulthood that really shaped you in a lot of ways. Yeah, it did. It did. So, you know, I tell you all that because I I know I got to tell these stories because they're just they're just unbelievable to me but moving forward just a quick incident and I'm going to drop this and you can ask me questions about it is i there's been points with my daughters that are three three daughters that i have that one time i decided we were going to go um, pay respects to our to welcome home a soldier that was trapped in, and actually it's gonna be 20 years ago in April this year, mm-hmm. that he was a welcome home to a soldier because we're really patriotic that way. And we left our house 15 minutes before. Had we not left, my my daughter, we we had a house fire. I mean, wow. and then one other time they were at the creek. I got my daughters before they got in some trouble. So, I mean, that's just been part of my life. But- You've uh, been looked out for along yes, the way too. Yeah, yes, I have. absolutely. Yes, I have. So, I mean, mm-hmm. some of the things that I, I believe in and some of the things that, you know, I, I grew up Catholic and I've been in the Baptist church and this and that. But I'm a rooted God, you know, and having discernment. And, and everybody calls it all different things because I say things before people say things or I know things beforehand. And I hid by behind all that, all these years. And this year is my word is vulnerable. So this year I'm standing on who I am what i've been through and at 29 and i got drugged behind a vehicle in 24 uh my daughter was being taken away from me and i tried to get back right, wait in there, wait
1: I, wait 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 you you told us 17 stories I no know. more story no more okay. story i'm, okay. I'm timing out. i'm timing now i can't even keep okay. up with the stories anymore i'm like i want to ask her this about that one i want to ask her this okay, about that <laughs> No, I mean, really, I mean, really, what your journey has been is, is quite miraculous. And it, it sounds like you're really in touch with spirit and being able to, to, to sense into that. Um, I'm sure Pam's got a zillion questions about that, because she's well more versed in that situation. But um, I just want to applaud you for keep going and to, for keep listening to those spirits. So, um, Pam, I know you have an awesome question ready.
0: Yeah, well, no, what I was thinking was just that I think it's remarkable, you know, I mean, obviously, you have been able to tap into your intuition, you were able to from a very young age, you know, without even necessarily being aware of it. And one of the things that I've loved watching you over the last several months is you coming out of this cocoon that you're talking about right now. And so I'm glad that you're you're getting to this, because this is the transformation that I've seen in you is you coming out of this space and i really relate to that because i was that way for a very long time myself and really not only not understanding my gifts but feeling like there was something wrong with me you know and wanting not wanting other people to know that i had them and you know knowing that there were people that were close to me that wouldn't understand and so i I love that you have come to this place in your life so Tell me a little bit about, or tell us a little bit about how you've made that journey and and what that process has looked like for you.
2: Well, for the longest time, I didn't realize that you don't need to be around people that don't understand you. Uh, Well, you know, I, I live, I live in Montana. I grew up in New York. I have no family here except my children. Right. And that's two very different worlds exactly very very different roles so what do you try to do when I don't know if you realize you know Billings Montana is around surrounded by a lot of just desert woods you know yeah I mean there's just no way you can hike to the next town (laughs) a lot of nothingness (laughs) yeah you know So, Uh, so you know that really that it was I was in survival mode. That's all I can
0: mm-hmm. tell you. You know, I was in a really yeah, so what took you, you know, what what took you to Montana? I mean, that's a pretty big, drastic sort of move.
2: Well, I, w- I was married and he wanted to move out here. So we decided to move out here. But I didn't realize his intentions were to keep me away from my family. But that's that's a story for, you know, for later. But again, it that's really restricted what I could do. But I think where things really change for me is after having um, childbearing problems and almost dying having my children and losing a child and things like that. um, When I was 29, I had to have a full hysterectomy and I hemorrhaged, and that, and I. They didn't think I would make it literally. And you can ask me that story. I'll stop right now. I mean, Chris is just the biting at the nips here. I know. So I'll stop. That seems to be where things really changed and went crazy for my life. So
1: wow. And, and that, that that's actually that's actually the question that I want to ask you. Jesus Christ, I can't hear myself now. Um that's the question I want to ask you. Is everything that you've been through up until including that? If you had to if you had to summarize what your learning lesson has been through all those experience. If you, were, if you were addressing, you know, all of the young men and women of the world, you know, the young teenagers out there with their gifts and, and all the different things, what would you say to them to summarize the experiences you've been through and how you've been able to pivot out of that?
2: Well, um, that's a good question. And, and basically, we need to listen like Glenn Moreshaw would say, your whispers, your intuition, uh, knowing and believing what your heart tells you, and also, when you know you're in a bad relationship and you know something's not good, you should feel empowered enough to know that. Don't prolong, because I'm a 55 years old man. Don't take time for granted, and don't you know execute your plans to, to be in a better space and focus where you want to go. I always, you know, I had a lot of sad and hard days, but I always focus saying, this is the better days are ahead. Better days are ahead. And that's what kept me focused is better days ahead.
0: I think that's such a great point. You know, I think it's so easy. We get, you know, bad programming, obviously growing up. Mm -hmm. A lot of us go through a lot of stuff that teaches us things that just aren't true, right? And then we come into adulthood and we're trying to shake that off and find the truth of ourselves and our own story in the midst of that. And so to me, I mean, it's extraordinary that you've been able to do that in many different ways with some issues that would have been, you know, for some people just crippling and in many cases are. And so how have you overcome some of those things? How have you been able to do that? And then get to this place of really you know being who you are and owning it
2: well you know it's funny because my classmates would always say but you're lynn serrano and the thing was is i um you know my friends in syracuse didn't know the sexual abuse that i went through when i was living in long island and then i had hoped that i'd never meet the boys that treated me wrong when i first went to syracuse and um i started becoming a bodybuilder at 13 i mean nobody knew that i was just i you know at 14 i was benching i was 115 and i was benching 120 and a couple guys found out that i could bench and stuff and i had to have a couple fights in school because i was being bullied you know things like that but i i just had to rely on my own because i carried so much shame you know and um and you know, and I, I never wanted to, to be, you know, talked about and shameful and things like that. I mean, I won't lie, I kissed some boys in school, but they couldn't touch anywhere but French kissing. That's that's all I was allowed <laughs> to do. Like, that's it. So I say that uh, to say this. I had I had enough to, you know, I've had a I had enough of that kind of abuse. And um I would say that uh having, you know, pride in what I did and having a sixth grade teacher tell me that because you're Puerto Rican, you're not going to be anything and things like this. And just because it, it was just the way it was, I pretty much, I, I'm I'm grateful to say that I, all I had was my inner voice to listen to and to mm-hmm. focus on and to go yes, through yeah. all my stuff in silence. And um, I can you know, just. like to-
0: Samuel's comment. Because he just responded
2: to you. <laughs> oh, I,
0: I did, <laughs> man. Everybody said so don't angry.
2: mess everybody said don't mess with Liz Toronto, uh, man. I was like, I yeah, that. I would I was just very angry. I mean There was a time when my dad took, uh, my mom, that's a whole story and a half, but that's going to, I have to come back to your show show for that. And she passed away five years ago this (laughs) month, but um, um, you know, she was in and out of my life and Mm -hmm. that made things very difficult. And I had to raise my brothers and sisters. We were malnutritioned. I mean, you name it, it was just, it was a difficult life. I mean, I, I i stayed very quiet. I'm an introvert anyways, but I stayed very quiet for everything, trying to keep my, my siblings together and things like that. So everything has come down to, you know, you've been in worse things than this. You've been worse things than this. Mm-hmm. And you know, at 55, you realize instead of being a victim and thinking that that's those things are a problem, you're not. You realize that I'm very empathetic with a lot of people, and now I'm blessed to say that I've gone through so much shit in my life. It's no wonder that I love so many people. I relate with them, and I don't have to say a word. I just know their energy, and I just know that you don't. You know, like I met Pam in Vegas. And I'm telling you, yeah. I met her. Yeah. I met her that's right. and I, <laughs> I hugged her and we didn't have to talk oh, yeah. like right. like people people that get to know me say, yeah, Lynn does talk, but when I'm at peace, it's just sitting there hugging somebody and just, oh, I can't wait to hug you again, Pam. You know, but you talk- know when you meet a sister.
0: Well, that's mm-hmm. just how it
2: yeah. is. but hugging somebody and just and ken too oh my gosh yeah Yeah. just to hug you guys i was like this is my family like i knew right there and then this is my family and i was always afraid of that because Mm -hmm. other people didn't understand me and like Mm -hmm. i i've tried to hide who i am just to keep peace so to speak you know but what i'm blessed is my girls are gifted my girls have intuition my girls know who i am um they were questioned and and were concerned you know mom mom knows too much it's kind of scary which we'll get into that
1: story i know yeah. you didn't clean your room yeah well no it's
2: it's funny my daughter would see me help other people and and um i i'm certified in face reading i don't always talk about that but i learned to read people's faces and things like that and it's been a it's well i need to brush up on it i really do but um, I did that for safety and just because I was going to be a New York State trooper. I mean, I just I just would learn how to read faces and things like that. So people would ask me, what do you think or what, do you, what are you feeling in this and that? And so I would tell them what I saw and this and that. My daughter asked me to do it to her and she's like, oh my gosh, mom, you scared me. It felt like you were inside me. I'm like, well, what did you think of what I shared with you? She goes, you didn't tell me anything I didn't know. And I'm like, exactly. I'm not yeah. doing no voodoo or nothing. I'm confirming <laughs> what you already know. That's what it's about. Right. Yeah. So I stand on my own because I call people out of the blue and they go, you know, it's funny you call me right now. I know when to call them at their darkest hours, things like that. I just on my show at Brian Kelm today, I we're, we're doing a Saturday show. Um, a Saturday after-hour show thing. And out of the blue, we're talking conversation. And I just felt like, you know what? This is what we're doing Saturday. And he probably thinking, what the hell are you doing talking about this now? I felt like it's my show with him. So I put the thing on there. I kid you not. I put the announcement that we're doing this show on Saturday. And as I did that, the guy that we're going to do his, uh, he's a comedian, uh, Bubba Bradley. It it had him on there that we're going to be at Bubba Bradley's bar, right? And he just goes, Lynn, I just came on here. Wow, just oh to see your post. I said, okay, oh. stop everybody. I right. just want you to know that when I have this feeling, I'm going to stand on it. And look, at. Mm-hmm. I just did this, and he showed up. Case closed. So I and I'm, I'm thankful for one thing. Everything that I, and I'm going to write a book about it. Everything that I've been through or speak when I speak to somebody, he goes, it's funny you say that. Or I say certain things it's great because I have a witness to somebody. So it's not Mm -hmm. like I'm freaking crazy. I mean, people can tell you that, how did you know that? Or why did you say that? Or what my kids will even tell you if I leave here and I say, okay, let's go to the store. I go, Oh, I forgot my purse. I go, Oh, forget it. They're like, no mom, you said to bring your purse. And I go, Mm -hmm. I did. I Half the time. I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm professing. There's a need for whatever I'm saying. So I'm standing in that now. Mm-hmm.
1: Nice. I have a question for you. Given everything that you've been through, and this is something I've been learning a little bit about more and more, is you talked a little bit about empathy, and I would like to get your take on forgiveness. Given the amount of turmoil and situations you have been through, um, in our group coaching program, we've been we go through the forgiveness and empathy part of that, and it's been eye opening for me to think that sometimes we think we forgive somebody, but we just we don't. We we say, oh, I forgive you, but then we compartmentalize it, we suppress it, we repress it, we do all those little things, and then lo and behold, later in life, we go, bing, oh, geez, I. I guess I didn't forgive that person. Talk to us about that process of forgiveness because I know a lot of people are out there hurting right now and they really need to understand this important concept. So uh, please tell us how you went through it.
2: Wow. Chris, are you really ready for this? Because this is very, very powerful. Um here. there's many sure. things, including the fact that people don't realize that if you don't give forgiveness, it's poison. You're poisoning yourself. And I will tell you that this marriage that I had for 19 years, this is a man that when I had my hysterectomy and I was hemorrhaging and dying, he he was told that I was, you know, I was going to die. And he's like, well, you know, God wouldn't be that, you know, that uh, nice to me or whatever. But let me tell you, this guy, um, he everything he wished on me, when I, 29 years old, going through a hysterectomy, you're going through a hormone, you're going through menopause, okay? I was happy to be alive. I'm giving you the quick gist. So he couldn't handle me. He tried to say I shook my daughter. He tried to get me in a psych ward. He tried to get me committed to the state hospital. Okay. Well, that didn't work because I passed all my psychological testing, but he continued to tell my kids that your mom's nuts. Your mom can be put in the state ward. And he'd always tell my kids that, you know, that I pay the rent. This is my house. The girl, you know, um, I could kick her out. Your mom won't have no place to live. I mean, he's like, I'm going to take everything from you, you know? Um, you know, and I'm going to put this out here there because it's the truth. But uh, my oldest daughter wasn't his, and he sexually abused her, didn't know about it for two years. After I knew that, he threatened to kill me if I told anybody. And I seriously, again, where am I going to run away in Montana alone, right? Tons of loaded guns in this house. Always said it would be an accident. And uh, got very concerned, got him out of the house. Um, He didn't decide to pay the didn't decide to pay the mortgage and uh his parents told him don't because the house can go for closure and then we could just kick her out like we want well what he didn't understand was and i had faith i just had faith i just i I, you know and the thing was okay so this is what happened he could have paid me the court and they thought i was crazy and i guess i was crazy because instead of making him pay me eight hundred dollars for child support i chose I'm gonna be nice to him he's got to live. I'll let him pay the six seventy five for the mortgage when he can. That was a bad mistake, ladies, because he decided not to pay, and I was at foreclosure until a friend helped me along because it was two thousand and eight and everything was going down. They were losing a lot of money, so I had a friend to come thank God and help me out okay that that was one in my favor and two um I I pretty much had his property here gave him his property while well, he ended again, married again. What I don't know what she did, except she took everything from him. She went ahead. And, um, uh, I think we think methamphetamines were something that she fed him or something. And unfortunately, um, he spent a few years in the state hospital and now he's in a nursing home. He's a year older than me and my daughter and I have forgiven him. I, I feel like he's gotten tenfolds for everything he's ever did. Uh, And there's more, but those are the gist, people, that everything he ever wished for me, he got tenfolds. Karma, baby. Karma, yeah. yeah. And and you guys, (laughs) please don't laugh about that, because I really sincerely, not only forgiven him, and my daughter has, but sincerely, I feel bad for him because he wasn't taught anything better. Yeah. And so... My heart goes out to him, but my heart goes out to someday because when he's gone, I have to deal with kids that they still have a father. They still have love for him. He wasn't always bad or nothing like that. Not saying that. But I'm telling you that when you are bitter, you don't get better. You get worse because you got your own spoonful of arsenic. And I can't tell you that I can't save everyone, but I can tell you that You know he told me the only way i was going to ever leave him was in a pine box you know kind of thing Um, it was just you know and i and at this point you know i got married at 19. i got married at 23 and i got married at 25. okay i mean that's enough shame blah 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 you know so again i i tell you guys i hope that fully Made you understand that I made me empathetic to not only forgive, but to empathize the fact, you know, I've had to forgive my dad. I love my dad, but my dad, my mother drove my dad crazy enough to beat the shit out of me all the time. I've had and had injuries and this and that from my dad. I mean, been beaten, blah, blah, blah. I've forgiven my dad. I have a better relationship with my dad now At 80 years old. I was there with him with uh, cancer twice, rectum cancer, open heart surgery, everything in the last 10 years. I love my dad. You know, some people have Stockholm syndromes. So I don't. I call it forgiving my dad. I mean, I've got arthritis through my whole body and some of it's because of my dad and I remind him of that. But, you know, it is whatever it is, but I don't hold any grudge against anybody because it's it, my didn't, dad didn't know any better. I mean, when my parents didn't know any better, I was I was babysitting my brothers and sisters and I had to beat my brothers and sisters ass. If I didn't, my parents would. So, you know, I've got a sister who doesn't talk to me because, you know, seven years younger and she's never forgave me for it. But you know what? doesn't make me a bad person. I didn't know any better then. Mm-hmm. So, right. Well, again, and I think
0: what you're saying is so valuable. I mean, I think there's so many people who have been in similar positions, you know, and they've been through, Things that they probably thought at the time they would never get through and, you know, and been treated in ways by other people that are truly inhumane and to be able to walk away from that and and go, you know what? The only person that's going to suffer from me hanging on to this and me being angry about it is me is really, really empowering. And and I and I don't want you to think by any means I would laugh at someone in that kind of suffering. I literally was oh. laughing because Christopher and I were st- going to say the same thing at the same time, that yeah. that's just kind of how the the universe works. Mm-hmm. You know, what we put out is what comes back to us. And, and if, so you're right. You know, our time is short. Think about what we're putting out there. It matters.
2: And if I could ask or add to the fact that I, I highly recommend people never to say never to anything mm-hmm. because that's bringing... So I'm basically... I profess that I'll never be a billionaire, and I'm okay with that. So you, I'll leave you at that At that <clears throat> thought.
1: Yeah. Well, two, you I, think so. <laughs> there, there's, there's actually two words to, to, to avoid from your vocabulary, never and always. I found yes. that in relationships, because if you sit there and say, you never do this and you always do that, it always puts this person on the defensive and every, but yeah, I mean, it's all in the vocabulary that we use. Okay. One thing for me that I'm interested in knowing from you, uh, Lynn, is like in my situation going from homelessness and all the different stuff that i had to go through and the trauma and the physical abuse and everything like that um the thing that got me through it eventually is a little bit of therapy but realizing that you know our trash is our treasure and for me, it became a mission to go back and help other kids like I was, 13 to 17 years old, help them know that they're going to go through a bunch of stuff in their life. They're going to they're going to get down. They're going to be dejected. They're going to feel like they're not not included. They're going to have problems with their identity. I'm going to go back and take my journey and go help them. Talk to us about how you are able to take what you have done and help other people now here in the current time.
0: And if you don't mind, Lynn, we hold that thought for just a moment because okay. I want to just acknowledge that we've had a number of people on with us yes. almost this entire time. Scott Rickard, Samuel, um, Esther, thank you for coming on. I don't think you've been on this show here before, so great to have yeah, you here sure. with us. And such a joy to have all of you on, as always. Please feel free to ask questions, too. You, I mean, you guys are here as part of this experience, so we want to hear from you also. So please go ahead, Lynn.
2: So where do we leave off, just for anybody who just came in? You out. mind asking the question again, Christopher?
1: Yeah. What's your favorite ride at Disneyland? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no. Considering like considering everything you've been through and, and for me and for a lot of people, what we do is we take that pain, we take that anguish and we, we say, OK, we've, we've come through that. We're not perfect by any means. Nobody is. Um, but for us to be able to go help other people going through that trauma or prevent it from happening again, um, what is how, what's your role in the society now and being able to help victims or people who, who struggle with identifying with their special needs or their special talents?
2: you know it's funny you say that because my brother was a musician and he passed away four years ago and i used to sing and i was a soprano but i've had health issues that um that have hindered me from being able to sing anymore luckily my daughter can sing and i'm really grateful for that and trust me you don't want me to sing; it's just all scratchy and you think brady bunch time for change was bad janice joplin i hear (laughs) 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 right so um so I was like you know god i wish i had my voice to sing you know to give that to the world and i didn't realize that god gave me my voice still even though i have acid reflux and all this other stuff he gave me my voice and i'm supposed to actually talk because through my traumatic things in my life i had stayed silent in many ways and i didn't want people to hear my voice i didn't want to be seen i didn't i'm too shameful you know i was too shameful and so um I basically two years ago, I kid you not, I was like, okay, Lynn, you're going to be talking to people all over the world and you have a voice and people need to hear it. And for the longest time, I thought if I shared my story, I'm sounding like a victim or I'm sounding like whatever until I started hearing other people. And I'm very thankful for this until I saw other people be vulnerable and share their shame. I realized I was doing an injustice because it's a ripple effect. You don't mm-hmm. know who needs to hear that at that moment and that you actually right. survived it. So yeah. I like had the kahunas and I read um, uh, Rob Sperry. I love him. But in March um, be- beforehand, I was asked to talk on the stage 500 plus people and introduce Ken Walls. And I'm like, and I'm like really heavy. And I'm like, you know, and I was shameful for that too, but, I got to realize it's health issue. blah, 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 blah. I was like, Lynn, you impacted people and people have impacted you. You're going to let people miss out because you're being shallow. You're being selfish. You're being all these things. They need to know that you live through. I said I'd never be fat. You could eat a salad. Well, you know, because I, I was a gym rat. I love working out in the gym. My body's not the way it used to be. My stomach, I have gastroparesis, so my stomach doesn't empty. All these different things. But now I'm like, that's a blessing because now I don't eat the bad stuff. It's a blessing because when I bodybuild, I loved feeling sore. Loved being sore. Now I turn all that pain, instead of going with morphine and any drugs, I don't take pain pills. I say, damn, I, I worked out good every time I got pain from my joints. You know, I just had to you reuse that to help myself Mm. and think of it in another way so you know i'm the i'm the mighty girl it might be chucky but boy do i look good (laughs) i love that That that's
0: so powerful you
1: gotta own it
2: i mean yeah
0: you love you for you you love you for you i you know what that makes me think of this happened to me the other day i was i had you know i was kind of getting ready for the day and all of a sudden i had just you know gotten up so i was just in front of the mirror, and all of a sudden i was like oh my gosh my hair is getting really gray And I had this moment of like seeing myself with gray hair, and I was like, I love this. Like, it was just this moment of like, I can't wait for my hair to be gray.
2: (laughs) Mine was gray for a whole year. Well, mine was gray for a whole year. And then um, I was dating somebody that told me, I I was thinking of putting purple in it, and he came to visit me, and he's like, uh, he lived out of town, and he came to town, and I said to my friend, I'm going to do my hair purple. And he goes, no, she's not. And I'm like, <laughs> <Okay. "What?" laughs> uh, so I changed my hair purple for a year. I was on a stage with purple hair and, uh, you know, I, I, got purple. <laughs> <laughs> I was very purple, wasn't I? And so, That's you know, cute. but I, you know, I, have got the little venous. I, I want to feel young, you know, so do, you know, it's, it's whatever I got to do, but seriously, <laughs> okay. um, it, it it's one of those things where I got out of my way I realized the importance of serving others. To say, "Look mm. at me! I've had brain injuries, and I my enunciation sometimes, and then my Long Island accent comes out sometimes. Like my show, my my show, if I can bring up my show, is live, love, yeah. laugh, let go out loud. It's all about bringing people that have overcome mm. things in their life and are successful right now, but they're also willing to be vulnerable with me. And then what I do with my guests whatever they shared, because I, I empathize with a lot of people. I've lost two brothers. I've, I mean, there's just so many things when they, share something. I can share a story that's equal to theirs and be vulnerable, but with them. And I love doing little, little Snapchat videos. And if they've got a tick tock, I'll do a goofy tick tock with them. You never know what I'm going to do on my show. But one thing you will know for sure. And I can't wait to have each one of you guys on there. It's, it's a no hold bars to have a fun thing. Your show is so
0: fun. But I love know,
2: watching your show.
0: Thank you. What? And most of oh. all,
2: I like to let people know what they mean to me while you're here, Christopher, because I don't want to be at your funeral and give you homage or, or give you respect then. And you don't even know it. I mean, you can see it from the other side, yes. But, but how beautiful is it if we don't celebrate people while they're here? If only they knew. And that's, that's one of my other passions. So, so my voice is to tell people, and also, everybody should be making pictures and videos and voice things for people to help the people that are left behind. They need that comfort. The traumatic thing of not having videos and voices of people that have been near and dear to me will haunt me till the day I die. And I leave enough videos that my kids can feel like, oh, man, I go to YouTube. Mom's right there. I want them to I want trigger these stories and let them remember that they they'd been there with me and they love me after you know i wasn't the the greatest mom As a matter of fact that the other day i put on there that you know i'm just thankful that my daughters love me even though you know i wasn't healthy enough to do things that i could have made their life easier
1: so mm. I want, I want to acknowledge you. I want to acknowledge you on that, Lynn. Two things. Number one, what you just said about honoring people while they're alive. I came to that same realization many years ago and thinking about, man, it's so messed up that the fact that people don't know, especially it was, it was somebody who had committed suicide. And I went to the funeral and I was just like, if that person could hear this now, they wouldn't have killed themselves. And it, mm-hmm. it dawned on me. I'm like, we should start doing it. And I, w- I reached out to my friends. This was a long time ago. And I said, we should do living memorials every year. We should pick one person out of our close group and just like have a dinner and, and you know, this is when you could get. In contact with everybody and just eulogize somebody while they're hey, I remember this story and just have those good moments while the person's alive. I, I I totally completely uh agree with you on that. It's it's so so important. You know,
2: Chris, I did that to Ken Walls, right? I had people like Pam and a few other people talk what he means to them and everything. And he goes, When you're making me feel like I'm at my funeral. I <laughs> oh, like mission accomplished. I'm watching be alive
1: while we're yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Very cool. I love that.
2: Yeah. Well, and video it's journaling,
1: yeah, Sam says, uh, video journaling that was another thing that was going to resonate yeah. with you. Same thing I said was with my kid before he came here. I said, I want to do as much radio and video and stuff like that for exactly the same reason. If I pass away tomorrow, he's now got you know 300 videos and shows, and dah, dah, dah. he could get daddy anytime he wants to, especially because he's four years old. So I love that, leaving your mark absolutely.
0: Yeah, I wanted to put this um, comment up from Samuel, which is from earlier, but I thought it was such a really um, great point that he made. It just said one of the biggest things I later realized about my parents that made it easy to forgive them was that they didn't know better than they did. Feels me today to learn and educate kids more than we were, and I think that's such a huge, you know, issue. I mean, so many of us have been in that space of you know, needing to let go of some of the things that have happened in our childhood, but then wanting to do it differently with our kids and having the tools to do that. You know, I mean, that's a big part of the reason why I love doing this show because we don't always have the tools, you know? And and so when we get these messages out there, when people hear stories like yours, then, you know, that's one more tool that they can use. And so I really appreciate you being here and sharing what you have tonight with everyone. And I like what Esther said too. She said, give people hope that they can transcend their own stories that are imprisoning them. And a lot of times we really, we are, we're telling ourselves stories that really aren't serving us and maybe aren't necessarily even true.
2: Absolutely. And you know, I'm grateful that uh, like my daughter, she was 19 and was going to have a baby and it was going through all that divorce stuff. And she said to me, I'm not going to be like you mom. I'm not going to yell at my kids. Okay. So she had her son, she called me so many times crying, Mommy, I love you. Right. (laughs) Mommy was so like like I'm like, don't yell at my grandkids. They're my grandkids. (laughs) But seriously, one thing that I was very grateful is that um, if you're have your parents and there's something that really bothered you that you just don't understand, take the opportunity to figure it out. Because like my daughter for the longest time, she still didn't understand, Mom. Why didn't you leave any sooner? And she didn't understand that I was like, "Look, I we tried to leave once in a blizzard, and we did. We went from Montana. I think it was in '99. It was a blizzard. And we were driving to New York because I had to get away because my our life was threatened, and I couldn't get my kid's school records, so we had to come back. But. The part that was worse was that my daughter was like, Mom, why didn't we just go to a home uh woman shelter? I said, because he had a document that said I wasn't mentally stable that would take you children and put you in foster care. That wasn't a price I was gonna pay. Not after losing my first child. So, you know, there's women out there or men that are in relationships because they don't want their children. You know, it, and it, it, especially my heart goes out this house last year with COVID and things like that. And, um, you know, do the best you can, keep the peace you can at home, but work on a plan, work on a safe plan, work on letting people know, you know, and and uh, things are possible. But what I'm blessed is that, know my know daughter, that there's
0: resources, you know, that there's yes. lots and
2: lots of resources. Yes
0: and so if you need help to reach out and mm-hmm. and don't stop
2: until you get what you need that's right and and you know my my daughter I was blessed that she asked me that question and she could let it go to understand what I did for for that sake so yeah,
0: yeah. i love that you bring that up because that has really been a huge issue the last mm-hmm. several months and there's a lot of people out there that are really hurting because of that so thank you so much for sharing that with everyone tonight So please just think
2: of happier days are ahead. I promise you they are. But with the happier days, you have to do things to not put fuel on the fire, just get along until you're safe to do so. Absolutely.
0: Well, this has been so amazing. I'm so grateful to have had you here. I would love to have you back sometime. And Christopher, I'd love to hear your closing thoughts and any questions that you might have before we sign off for the evening.
1: No, no, I, no, no. I mean, I have lots of questions. That would take us another two hours, but no, Lynn. <laughs> so much for for coming on here and sharing your soul with us and thank you all of you guys samuel and everybody asking questions that was my goof normally i'm telling like hey guys engage with us ask us questions but i was just so enthralled with your story uh and trying to th- take mental notes like okay i want to remember to ask her this no th- first of all thank you for coming on and sharing your soul with us and sharing uh the vulnerability i love that that's your word this year i mean i think it, i think it's a, a great message for all of us to remember is like what's your word for the year uh, for me i'm actually still working on it normally i have my word for the year and i've got it figured out but this year i'm like really focusing on what it is that I want to do. And I love that you said, you know, you got to focus on that. And ladies and gentlemen, karma, I mean, it is the the law of attraction, not like the secret, but the law of attraction really does work. When you go out there and you put good juju out there, you go out there and make other people, make other people's lives better. You give of yourself, you're transparent and you take your trash and you make it your treasure. You're going to find inner peace. You're going to find happiness. You're going to find success. And most of all, you're going to find the people that gel with you. So I love that you are who you are. I love you that you're unapologetic about it. That's the way I am. I'm raw and scripted, no excuses, the unfiltered experience. I mean, everything about me is just like, okay, and most people don't even know this. I'm like really... Uh, kind of filtered anyway, because I could really go off the rails. But no, thank you so much for being here. And I think the message for everybody, no matter what stuff you're going through right now, please, please, please always just consider what is it that you could possibly do? How could you become more resourceful? How could you sit there and look at and what's your why? I was just in a clubhouse and the guy didn't know what his why was. And sometimes we don't know what our why is. So you got to figure out what your why is and then you figure out what your how is. And then you just get hungry and you figure it out and you go and you keep going because if you fall down 27 times, you get up 28. So thank you for being on the show, Lynn. We look forward to being on your Show as well so
2: can I say one more thing if please it wasn't, do yes if it wasn't for the let la- for the last 15 years ago 15 years ago after everything was rock bottom and very difficult and I just chose to create myself to give myself the the permission to forgive myself and to know that my kids still love me and I still have a chance every day as long as I'm living especially after all the near-death experiences so please just don't wait for near experience near-death experiences to make you appreciate life and where you are at the right people are going to love you so
0: absolutely and that is the that is the thing i probably love most about you is just your big heart and your authenticity and i love that about you from the moment i met you so thank you again and big hugs and big hugs to all of you out there thank you for being here listening lots of love from all of us and we look forward to being with you again very soon so Good
2: night,
1: everyone. Good night. Good night, ladies and gentlemen.
0: We want to thank you for listening today. We know you have many choices for content, and we are grateful you chose us. You can always find more of our episodes at the Energy Healing Network on YouTube please do make sure to subscribe to the channel so you can easily find more episodes or watch when we go live. Thank you again for listening and sharing these messages with others who you wish to encourage and uplift.